Game week 12 in the Premier League and things are really starting to take shape. Chelsea and City play the best Premier League game of the season. Bournemouth shock Newcastle and a wheel starts to fall off for Spurs' dead title charge. All of that and more on today's episode from the back seat. And joining me today, I've got old head Chelsea correspondent Joseph Doherty. Hello Joe, how are you? Good afternoon. Very well boys, very well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I like you said good afternoon, even though it's like 8 o'clock at night. I respect that. <laughs> the myth that we're doing this on Sunday afternoon right after the game is strong yeah, exactly. and I appreciate that. Good evening, that. we should say. Good evening. And on for his, not his debut anymore, he's in the squad, he's made the cut. It's our new Liverpool correspondent, Ashley Jones. Hello Ash, how are you mate? Yo, yeah, all good bro, all good. Uh, it's a great week to have these two on because although Chelsea did win, they did play the best game of the season and I feel like overall they're getting more credit than City and Liverpool have a really comfy win. So it should be a nice pod, um, all things considered. It's a shame that we couldn't get Bell on from a Tottenham perspective, but from what I understand, she's not taking any requests right now after two defeats. But more on that later. Um, so there's only one place to start, really. Chelsea 4, Man City 4. Um, when did Chelsea get so exciting? Eight goals in their last two games after not scoring any goals all year. They've literally just scoring them all now, right now, this week. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is all the goals for the rest of the year. I don't know. But I was actually sporting Chelsea in this game by the end, which I just, it doesn't happen very often, if ever. And I was literally gagging for Chelsea to just get something it, by the it end. It does feel wrong, doesn't it? It felt dirty, yeah. but that's yeah. what Man City have done to everyone. They make you do things that you just never thought you would. Break lines you never thought you would. <laughs> But well, yeah, thank you, thank you for the support, gentlemen. It's nice to see that you're on the blue side of London for once. Um, I mean, it's the only, I think, only time. Yeah, exactly, literally. I think actually this whole excitement was kind of building from the Tottenham match, and this is obviously why Bell's not here today. She couldn't quite deal with having the uh, the walk of shame for this show. But I must say, yeah. just going back to that, seeing as we weren't able to talk on it before, well done, Tottenham. They played very well. They had um, with nine men. They 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 defended staunchly, and uh, I must say, well done to the team. And uh, is anyone else getting like Bell, Pep Guardiola so. after they absolutely <laughs> pumped someone five 0 It's like they're so good at football. They're unbelievable. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, petty, very really. Very rarely do I praise Tottenham, but it was a it was good for them, and uh, pretty good show from City as well. I mean, they weren't bad in this match. But uh, they lost. Right. They drew to a to a better team, I must say. I think that the, with City, we're so used to seeing them pump smaller teams, right? And I think they went into that that game with the mentality that Chelsea are aren't Chelsea of old. They're Chelsea that we've all known to love recently, who are shit, and thought that they could do do them over. And you know, Chelsea are resolute. So fair play to you, boys. Well, what yeah, we actually saw I agree. was. I would say a tactical masterclass from Pochettino, if I must say, in the way that we set up to get them on the transition. I don't know if you guys saw Rodri's interview after the match, but he said exactly that. He said that Chelsea stopped us playing our game and they've aimed to get us on the transition every single time. That's why we had Sterling on the pitch. That's why we had Gallagher pressing at any time. Uh, mm-hmm. Jackson as well. He's he, he's very fond of a press. So, and what you actually saw was any time City set up trying to play the ball to Rodri as a single CDM, we were just ready to pounce, ready to go at any point. Um, you often saw also Cole Palmer play in a position where he was pulling some of the defenders out to the side so that Rodri was left on his own for that transitionary stance. And you see that actually is how we got to most of our goals during this game. So even with their attacking might, which obviously City have, obviously they were showing, um, we were able to get one back through a bit of tactical uh, bit of tactical masterstroke from Pochettino and uh, you know, I'm here for it. Hmm. I don't disagree. Yeah, fair play. I think that, yeah, I was going to say, I don't disagree. I think that Poch set out to do the right thing. You know, he'd stop them from playing their game, which is a hard thing to do. There's not many teams that can do it. Um, you know, I think when, when Rodri scored, you know, usually when Rodri scores, it means that they win because it's usually a <laughs> yeah, last-minute thunder bastard. But and it was again. You know, fair play. You you didn't stop. A lot of teams would have been deflated at that point, and you carried on. And then, you know, the the uh, the, chip, the the city boy now the Chelsea's man, as um, what's his name said, the the commentator. 
you know, steps up, scores a goal. And I think that he's really been the catalyst. We were talking about that change, you know, mm. eight goals in, 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 in two games. I think that he's sort of been that, sort of been that catalyst of change. And, uh, you know, I still think Jackson's a bit of a donkey, but <laughs> fair play, he got a goal as well. And yeah, yeah. it, it um, works hard though. He's, he's a workhorse, isn't he? That's, that's what he's bringing right now. His finishing's a bit off, but he does still have seven goals in the Premier League. So he, it's hard. he's a Rigi. He reminds me of Divock Origi. He might be. That's not a bad but, shout, you know. That's not I a bad really, shout. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really judge that because Divock Origi was very good. He was your he was a scorer of iconic yeah. goals, but not many goals. Yeah. But, big man but, for a know, big game. We're talking about Jackson in a way that, you know, as you say, he's a bit of a donkey, he's a bit of this, he's a bit of that. But he's got the same amount of goals as Alexander Isaac. And look how much people are uh, talking about him. He's got the same amount of goals as, uh, I have to check this one, but I believe Wilson as well, if not one yeah. less than Wilson. So. It's a fair thing, to, fair thing to say, but then look at the Chelsea squad versus look at the Newcastle squad. Like You would expect Jackson to get goals. They've got creative players in there. They've got players who can get in front of goal. But Newcastle are just a well-oiled team, right? So their goals, I don't think they, Newcastle aren't going to have a 20 goal season striker, whereas Jackson could be a 20 goal season striker with the force that you've got. It's just about unlocking that. And maybe, you know, this is the start of seeing it. You have to remember he's only 22. He's only been playing professionally for three years. You know, if you compare his stats to Drogba's first three years to, to now, he's already ahead of him. So, yeah. Yeah, first mm-hmm. uh, first season in the Premier League as well, coming from the Spanish league, where often you're uh, you put on a bit of weight when you come from the Spanish league to the Premier League to try and you know put yourself against these these defensive powerhouses. So I um, I wouldn't be surprised if over the season you see Jackson put on a bit of weight, put on a bit of muscle. Next season come in a bit stronger, and uh, dare I say it, come in looking a bit more like big old Didier. <laughs> I don't know. As long I, as it's not the Korku, mate, you'll be happy. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Could go yeah, wrong with the other Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, Chelsea showed anyway that they've got what it takes to fight with the big boys. I think they showed it against Liverpool as well. Mm-hmm. They showed it against Tottenham. I think the thing that you're missing is just a core figurehead in that midfield. I think that, you know, Thiago Silva is obviously a fantastic leader. He's a great player, but he's quite quiet. He's quite reserved. I think you boys need like a 26, 27-year-old bulldozer of a midfielder and someone who's just going to lead from the front. And I think Gallagher's doing a great job, but he's not got that authority that's going to drive the team forward. And I think that that's what's, what will unlock the likes of Caicedo and Enzo and ultimately you as a team. Because on paper, you're, you, should be, you should be doing what you did the other day to see well, let, me, let me ask you boys another stat. Who would you say in the Premier League right now, if you were to say, who's the assist maker? Who's like the 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 main player that you'd look at and say, oh yeah, that guy gets assists? Well, this Darwin season, Nunes. <laughs> Darwin Nunes, yes, but it's, it's Pedro Neto, isn't it? He's got the most assists. Uh, yes, Pedro Neto is the top <laughs> assist maker. Darwin <laughs> Nunes, you said, he's got four assists. Gallagher has four assists. Another one that you might say, James Ward-Prowse, five assists. Gallagher has four assists. James Madison, five assists. Gallagher has four assists. So you look at a player who's, who's getting the numbers of these, he's these other big assist He's definitely getting better this season. Exactly. I do feel and like he's gone up a level this season. And I get he's it a closer. I actually understand. I understand the Chelsea midfield. He's all energy. He's the guy who makes him out of space to be, basically, or makes him out at his best. That's the role he's going for. Like, all action, boxing Jordan box. Henderson. Jordan Henderson, just really fucking annoying with, like, unlimited energy like he'll still be doing that last ditch tackle to save a goal in the 98th minute for example and then like Caicedo's just a bit of a destroyer Enzo's yeah. just like that silky link up Jorginho style guy but with more legs so I get it on paper it's actually very logical they've actually created a really good midfield very expensive yeah. midfield but it does make a lot of sense and you can see it all coming together in this in these games it's against the smaller teams where I think they struggle a bit there's not yeah. like, Liverpool had the same problem it's like the midfield's yeah. super functional. It makes sense. But when teams don't give you space behind them, like the big teams do, how do you, how do you break them down? And then we got yeah. Jackson not taking his chances as greedily as you'd like. That's where Chelsea struggle, I think. But against the big teams, they're actually really good. They're really solid. Yeah. This awful run of fixtures that they had on paper about Arsenal, Newcastle, City, Manchester United, whoever the fuck it was, 
this might actually be really good for them. This might actually help yeah. them build up a bit of confidence and get some good results because they're already way ahead of where I thought they'd be. I thought they were going to get three points. And they got like, what, but then five? the question is, who who have they got next? Right? Because they're, they're then due to get pumped by someone like Bournemouth, right? It's just mm. the way Chelsea <laughs> are at the moment. It's... <laughs> We've got Newcastle away next. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, perfect time to but, play him. It is exactly. perfect time to play him. But as, as Kieran Trippier to... was moaning about, they're a wounded dog at the moment, right? Having fights yeah. with fans, talking about being a wounded yeah, dog. So that's true. That's true. But a player that I think everyone would like to hear us talk about on the pod just quickly would be Cole Palmer. We touched on him a little bit before, but if you think about him, he's a very interesting player. You watch him play, you don't think he's particularly far. You don't think he's got a particular ping along him. I mean, he has got a pretty good left foot, but then you see um, Pochettino, and this is an interesting quote Pochettino came out with, because I asked him, um, who would you liken Cole Palmer to be as a player? Who would you say that he's similar to? Is it Havertz? No. Strangely enough, no, it wasn't. He, he, no, it sounds like taking the piss. That's then, just what like, I'm. No, 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 that's honestly what's expensive. Uh, Silky left was, footed, not that fast. He's everything you hope Havertz would be. Also, if Di Maria, he said, he, mm. he said, if you look at his movement, he's quite similar to how Di Maria played. It's major fair, but Di Maria is also hella techie, and Cole Palmer, he's good, but he, I wouldn't say he's hella techie. But I will say that Cole Palmer is what people think that Phil Foden is. Phil Foden is good, he's class, can't play can't play more than 60 minutes. Cole Palmer's proving that he can and he can get the goals when it's needed of him, unlike Phil Foden who will score them when everyone else has scored. And I think yeah. that they're, 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 they're going to He's a fraud. Regret. Phil Foden is a fraud. That's nah, what I'm hearing. Phil, Phil Foden's <laughs> a class player, but I think that Cole Palmer will be better, have a better career than Phil Foden individually, not oh, trophies. No. Getting that on TikTok, that's mm. spicy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's good, get I don't know if I agree, but what a fucking coup uh, that would be for Chelsea. I always thought it was a weird transfer. Like, you don't sell your best youngsters generally. I, don't, I just don't get it. I know it's a financial well, fair play, thing, so I do get it, but like. Yeah, Palmer also weird. said he wanted to go, apparently. That's what Pep came out with this week. Pep said, you know, Mares is gone, and he said to Cole Palmer face to face, you know, Mares is out, you've got a chance. Uh, Palmer said, no, I want to go. I want to get regular football and I don't think I'm going to get it here. I never thought he'd get it at Chelsea with like the millions of signings. I never thought he'd be one of the like first names on the team sheet this early. Yeah, Mad Wayne's kind of fallen off the map a little bit. Um, so many of them had to, mate. You couldn't just keep mm. finding a place for like 30 players. It was inevitable. But yeah, like, no. he's good. So I rate it. Oh, um, cool. Let's talk about a few moments. I'm getting really sick of Man City getting shitty, cheap penalties in the big games. I'm just going to throw it out yeah. there. I don't think that was a foul, Kukurea and Haaland, because they're just they're just grappling each other. Mm. You know, they're, they're grappling each other. One's massive, one's pretty pretty normal size. It's just dumb. In my opinion, it's just so dumb. And Man City get too many easy decisions, and they can get fucked. It's just, it's just constant. It's honestly constant. Do you see the uh, it's a Carl Walker handball? Mm-hmm. Has to be the most blatant handball I've ever seen, and it just <laughs> nothing. He literally punched the ball. Nothing, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the penalty was just a joke, but I, I don't know. It, it feels like they're 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 exempt to VAR unless it's in their favour. <laughs> like it's just dumb. I just said Kukurea is like the size of Harlan's calf. He he couldn't even take him down if he wanted to, right? Literally, mm-hmm. you're so right. I wonder if VAR goes on a separate channel when it's a Man City game. It's like rerouting; it just goes straight to the Middle East, and then it just never comes back. And they're like, "Well, I guess we'll just stick the on-field decision." Just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, nothing's coming in. <laughs> also, boys, though, speak. I don't want to just be like taking out my big list of Chelsea players and going down and talking about each. It one does them, seem but... like you're going can... to. So let's can we do? Let's can we just try talk make this about the last this? one. <laughs> we'll, we'll make this the last one. But can we just talk about the resurgence of Kukurea? I mean, fuck me. That's a player who's coming back into form, isn't he? It's gone a bit over my head. I'm not going to lie to you, mate. This is news to me. Watching yeah. every single game, Kukurea has played in the last, I think, believe the last four games in some way or form. He's really hitting back form. The Chelsea fans that I've spoken to are starting to really get back into get back into him and even saying that you know Kukurea is our best left-back right now, even with Ben Chilwell 
up and uh, back to fitness. So, yeah, but I think that's that's a. I mean, fair play. I don't watch Chelsea like that. I think that's a harsh assessment on Chilwell. I mean, wasn't he your second top scorer last year with ten goals and Reese James with twelve or something like that? Like from left back. That's yeah, pretty. Playing, that's pretty. We're a different system now, mate. We're playing. Mm. That was a left wing back True. system. We're now True. playing a left back system. So you know, there's a why Potch was playing Chilwell when he was playing him up in a, a left wing position because he can. He needed. He, he knew that Ben couldn't play as well in a left back position after all of these injuries as he used to do at Leicester City. I, I, I certainly want Ben in. I mean, he's my he's my vice captain, right? But if if you know Reese is injured, I'd put Ben as the captain. But at the end of the day, like right now, Cooper Ray is doing really well. I'm all, I'm all here for it. You know? Yeah, you, do, you he, don't he even got the man in form. He got right. shit on for so long, and I'm just here to see the boy get back into form. I like he, he it. He did indeed. Many times on this pod as well, because I still believe he's rubbish, but whatever. If we're going to praise him. It makes you feel better. He's got a wonderful barnet. He, he does. He does. I mean, I, I will always remember that foul where someone just pulled his hair, just pulled it to the floor, and that wasn't given. So give the man a break, literally. Um, does anyone want to add anything else about this game? Because it was obviously excellent. And I really have a great segue, but I feel like we haven't done it justice yet. So I'm willing to forego the great segue for a bit more Chelsea Man City, if you guys want it. I mean, I'd, I'd say the only thing, only person that didn't get a mention was Sterling, who was probably man of the match for me. I think he was just constant, up, down, up, down. He looked like the Sterling of old. Now, whether or not he can replicate that type of performance, obviously you're going back to your old club. You know, it's a, it's a. It takes a lot for me to compliment Sterling after he left us to go to City. Um, it's been long enough now, hasn't it? It's, it's been great to see like him suffering at Chelsea, but no, I think you know, fair play to him. It, that was a captain's performance. I know he wasn't the captain on the day, but he put in a captain's performance and sort of really, really, you know, drove Chelsea forward. So. I think that's yeah. it. That's the only other thing I'd add. I'd add but I think that's fair. He is one of the only senior to. players in that sort of like entering their peak. Like maybe mm-hmm. he's the only one in the starting lineup actually. Really, so he is basically the leader. Oh, of the they need him to be. He, he's now reaching. He's not his exactly peak, entering yeah. his peak though, is he? He's just been at his peak for about fifteen years. I was, was going to say, yeah. I don't think he has a peak. He's just no. been consistently world class. That was an unbelievable header as well for the corner. Oh, yeah, I don't get it. it. Sign him up for another year. He's still got it. Like, there's no need to move him on. The, the big question on everyone's lips right now, though, is is you know, when we look at Southgate and his picks for England, should he have picked Sterling? I think so. Of course, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on that. I I initially thought yes, but then I've thought about it more, and there's no point chopping and changing the team all the time. Like, if the England team's playing well and they're winning, just keep the same team. Like, you only change the team when it's broken. It would be a bit like. You know, like club football. Obviously, this is this is Chelsea, so this is probably not going to make that much sense to you. But like, if the team's playing well, just keep the team, keep it as it is. You know, um, you don't just change it for the sake of it. And Rashford does generally deliver for England, even though he's shit for United. He does generally deliver for England. But mm-hmm. I'd say get rid of Grealish if I was going to get rid of anyone because he's actually not playing. A defo get rid of Hendo for James Ward-Prowse. But yeah. But then you say that you could, you know, with Madison injured at the moment, you could you could always take Madison out and bring in. Bringing Sterling, right? Mm. So, I think they brought in Cole Palmer instead for this uh, this couple of games. Fair decent. play, very decent, interesting choice. I bet I bet he'll play better than Phil Foden. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, those two are oh, going to get compared to each other constantly, you know, because they actually are very very similar. Come from yep. the same place, left footers, English. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's like Darwin Nunes in Holland. One of them is just going to be massively better than the other. And it's going to what, be Nunes? Very... <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I know we're not on that segment, but as we're an all-round be, footballer, <laughs> as an all-round footballer, Darwin Nunes is a better player than Haaland. But it. Haaland just knows where to be at the right time. He's also got KDB pinging everything on the, you know, on the sixpence for him. But Darwin Nunes is a better all-round footballer than Haaland. This is it. Fact. Even when we're on another game, you can't help but talk about him. So Liverpool 3, Brentford nil, Darwin Nunes. Two offside goals, including one offside bicycle kick goal. Even when he doesn't score, it's all we can talk about. It's all we can see. And he did get a nice best. assist for Salah. All nine of his assists for Liverpool since he joined are to Salah. So mm. even when he's not finishing that well, what you see is that he's 
trying to be what Firmino was in that he creates space for Salah to exploit. He takes runners away from Salah, who's always getting double marks or triple marks. And in doing so, he's unlocking Salah's best form. And that is a positive. Even if his finishing is really fucking unpredictable, his effort and just his chaotic nature is bringing the best out of Mo Salah. So it's probably not talked about enough, I'd mm. say. Yeah, and I think that their their link-up ability, you know, has been second. They both seem to know where each other's going to be at all times. And although Nunes obviously isn't taking a chance in the same way we'd like him, you know, you'd like him to a Haaland, it will come. Like, it it will come. It's just, I think I that... Mean, it might it might not come, but it's good enough. But oh, we can dream, can't we? It could happen. I mean, yeah. It will it will come. The same thing happened with Suarez. The difference is with Suarez is he had to do it all on his own, right? Yeah. But Suarez, if you remember, needed like 13 chances to score to score one goal. The difference is he'd create 30 chances for himself all the time. Yeah. You know, I think Nunes needs, needs to just be a bit more select, a bit more choice in the way that he, you know, the way that he finishes. He has to think about it, then he's, yeah. I don't know, he fucks it every time, but... He yeah. also scores worldies, so you know he needs to. He needs to he go back to that game against Newcastle. Actually, yeah. I remember you and me were sitting on the sofa in Copenhagen when you came to visit yeah. me. Lovely weekend. Uh, just big up Copenhagen. All to the listeners, get a, get a little trip over there, watch some good football, watch uh, FC Co smash Man United. That'd be They're fantastic. Doing bits, mate. Never been a better time to support FC Copenhagen. To the point, though, we were watching this on our sofa, Newcastle Liverpool. You look down and out. You look like the game was gone. And who stepped up? Big old Darwin, mate. Big old Darwin. Yes. With the same worldie twice. Twice, yeah. I think the thing is, though, with, with what I love about Darwin is, obviously, he is Captain Chaos. You never know what you're going to get. But he never, ever gives up. Even if he misses a sitter, he's still up. He's still going. He's still, you know. And I think that's something that we just... Every, every team needs that player who's just constantly a million percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I think in terms of the game, I mean, it's a class assist to to Salah, quality finish from Salah. You know, both both goals. You know, Salah was the only one that that didn't give up. Everyone thought the ball was out of play. Cheeky little nod in the back of the net, and then Diogo Jota with the inevitable, we're two 0 up. So obviously Jota's going to score <laughs> after being a ghost for the whole game, and it's going to be the best yeah. goal of the game, right? Facts. Um, I think that just. We've come along so far from last season, and I actually think that you know Virgil being given the captain's armband has just brought this new lease of life to the team. Virgil seems to be at his best again. Allison's obviously Allison, the best goalkeeper in the world. I don't think anyone could say otherwise. And there just seems to be a togetherness in the team. You know, Cody Gakpo playing in midfield. If this was last year, he'd probably kick up a stink, right? Because why would I be playing in that midfield? But now. You know, it doesn't matter who rotates in. There's still that camaraderie. There's still that togetherness. And I think that it's nice to see. I don't think we've got enough to win the league, although we're only one point off of City. I just think that there's... Unless we go out and buy a DM in, in, in January, I don't think we've got a chance. But I think that yeah. the team's come on leap and bounds from last year. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We are the better. I'd say the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. Think, think the thing is, though, well, all the teams... It? Like we're not talking about all the teams no that are in the league at the moment. Yeah, we're we're the only one that knows how to get it done outside of City. I think people have kind of forgotten that, you know. And even when we didn't win the league, we lost it by one point. Like we got 103 points in a calendar, like you know, a, a, across a year, right? It, it, that's mental to lose to what I think it's 103 points out of 105 possible points. It was over a, 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 a year a year period. Which is mental, and we didn't win the league in that mm. time. Makes me sad. Do you know what I mean? But makes me so sad. We did when we did win the league. We also won the league by Christmas. It's mm. like we know how to get it done. I think that that's gone under the radar uh, with us this year. Uh, but at the same time, we won three 0 I think it was a bit of a flattering result. Brentford, mm-hmm. at a couple of times, should have scored. I mean, I think Allison's the only goalkeeper in the world where he's the favourite in a one on one one v one. Yeah, you know, he made not a wrong there. top draw save against. Yeah, he's got and that rare thinking, quality of just being massive. Where other goalies look quite small, <laughs> or Anana just dives the wrong way, he's just massive and he's so intimidating all the time. He's got that like Peter Schmeichel kind yeah. of thing where you're just like, I'm fucked. I'm never going to score mm. against this guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Brentford also, Brentford have a thing away from home, don't they? They don't seem to be getting too many away wins. So they're very good at home, but. Yeah. I think the thing is with Brentford, though, it's a, you know you go to the Brentford Stadium; it's a very intimate place, right? It's everyone's on top. Look at what happened with us last week against Luton. Not that we should be losing and saying that on the proud, but like it's one of those stadiums where they're on top of you. They're they're noisy fans, but you got to remember they're also missing Ivan Tony, right? They're missing their best player. Those he's the type of player that makes a difference in those away yeah. games, especially against the likes of a Liverpool. Um, yeah, be missing wow. him for a long time. <laughs> I don't, don't think I'll ever get over missing him because I'm pretty sure when he comes back in January, he's gone, gone. mate. He's, yeah. he's gone. He's, yeah. he's, he's going to be sorely missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm proud to say that I hope that Chelsea's going to be one of the suitors when it comes to Ivan Tony's purchase. But we'll It'll see. make a lot of sense. He's just not in your profile, though. But it make a lot of sense. If he was 23, I said it last time out. I guarantee. I guarantee he'll go to someone like Aston Villa or even Newcastle. It won't be one of the, the big boy clubs because they won't they won't risk it. Mm. He's too old, too many problems. Yeah, he scores goals, but doesn't score enough goals for them to be like, we're going to take the risk. You know, it's not mm. like he's a 30 goal a season striker. Like if Harry Kane got done for gambling, you know, everyone would be after him still, but it's Ivan Tony, and that's mm. the problem. So I think he'll end up at either Aston Villa or Newcastle. I'm going to say Manchester United because they love a problem forward, especially someone who could get banned at any point. Very they bloody true. love that and yeah. for him to score no goals. Imagine Ivan Tony, Anthony Martial, Jadon Sancho. They'll all be they'll all be seen at a festival saying "fuck Man United" and it'll be just great, and I'll be here for it. Prison FC. That's what they're about. I still yeah. can't believe oh, he's and, playing for and what's his name? <laughs> To be fair, I, yeah, I was going to say Tony after he was sagging him off. Yeah. <laughs> Just such a fucking idiot, isn't he? He's so dumb. Like everything about him, but is he just is trying to player. fuck up his career. And yet, because he's so good, it just still works. But yeah, yeah, he would never, he would never join Klopp's Liverpool. Um, impossible. Right. That is literally an impossibility. I feel like you have to give a shout out to one person. This is the segue that I wanted because we were talking about backup left backs outperforming their uh, first choice left backs and Simicass. Two assists in this Big game. Big man Costas. Uh, he's got two assists now in the Premier League. Any guesses for how many Robertson's got in eight Premier League games this season? One. Zero. Zero. That's correct. Oh, he has none. Yeah. So it does beg a question. Two assists, clean sheet. Generally, he looked excellent throughout the whole game. Is this... I, I feel like Robertson's been off the boil this season, generally, because he's had such high standards. Is this a natural maybe progression of Simicast taking over for the rest of the not season? A chance. Or not a chance? Okay, fine. Well, we'll not a chance. Learn that there. I think that. Yeah, I think <laughs> that. Look, don't get me wrong. Robbo is not the Robbo of old, but Costa Simicast can't. He can only do one thing or the other. He can either attack or he can defend. And when he defends, he's a little bit ropey. I think that obviously we already have that issue slightly on the other side with Trent. Then having that issue on the left-hand side as well. You know, you can cover for one player, covering for two mm. is an issue. With Robertson, you don't need to worry about that. Mm. You know, I think that we do need uh, we do need a left-back. That is one of our problem positions. I think that Rob, you can't rely on Robertson. His legs have gone slightly. He's, he's, you know, he can't be the man who plays every single game, every single minute, every season anymore. But I don't think Costa Simicas is the answer. Don't get me wrong, he had a cracking game. But like the three it's games before harsh. that, he was shit. That's very harsh, Ash. I really like him. I think he's quality. I think he's actually almost as good as Robertson. No, um, at least is, this current version. Albert of Marino. No, he's so much better he's than Alberto that. Marino. He's so much better than that. That's no. so harsh. No, I was going to say no. what Liverpool really needs is a Simicass at right back. They need someone who can give Trent a kick up the bum and know that, that too, Trent yeah. drops the ball, I'm going to be in there more solid defensively. Let's Wait, assist. Joey but... Gomez. Yeah, Joe Gomez is Wait, just Joe not Gomez that guy, has been though, cast in the inverted wing back role. He's, he's actually looked like scoring guy, though, this year. Is he? He's not that guy. We all know he's not that guy. He's just there for the quota. He's a homegrown <laughs> quota filler. That's he's his not job. homegrown. <laughs> he's, he's club homegrown. We bought him at 18, so he counts. Yeah. No, fair play. Fair play. He's a very I'm exclusive club homegrown player for us in what is otherwise quite mid. Mid guy. 
Yeah, no, I think that both both of them, we need cover, both sides. We need a DM. We could probably do with another centre-half, although Kwanzaa has been great this year. He's still young. Mm. We definitely um, need a centre-half. But I do like Kwanzaa. It's nice to see. But yeah, Matip. I love, I love the guy, but it's time to go now. He's had no, a good no, run. No. We've got good Joel, value out of him. He, he can never go, but it he's, might be time. he's got to be like our... No, no, he 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 will stay on the at the team, and he'll he will put in like one worldie a season, and that's all nah, we need man. him for. The days he's like our Colo Torre figure now. He's like he's like antelope, like galloping up, and you're like, get out of there, Joe. You got no right to be there. Those days are over, bro. <laughs> Those days, he ain't got no, links no. for it anymore. I still believe he's going to go on a trip one day this season and score a worldie. I would love we'll to be see fine. it because Colo Torre did that as well. He hit the crossbar, and we were just like, oh my god, it's like his last game. That's all we want. Just one yeah. last tribute I do act think of Joel Matthew. He is our Colo Torre figure, where you know he shouldn't be at the club probably anymore, but. Yeah. You love him. We're just not ruthless enough for getting rid of people. He is a good player. He'd get into your team, yeah. in all fairness. <laughs> I mean, he would. He's better than him, deserves him. Him and Tiago, imagine the legs on that. It'd be like... Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. It's all about positioning, you know? They'd never get exactly. a break. <laughs> Mate, you no, put a ball in behind to... them two. It's like watching the Grannies. We had Olympics, to suffer <laughs> with Kyriakos and Carragher two seasons, all Fuck right? Me. I forgot about and... that guy. Our okay. hope and joy was getting Colo Torre at the end of his career. <laughs> okay. God, that was a dark period. I'd say overall, and there are exceptions like Zlatan, if a footballer has a ponytail, that should be enough of a red flag to not buy them. Um, that's that's just my personal opinion, but I can think of very few ponytail footballers that have come good. I mean, Harland, Darwin, ponytail's coming back, mate. Fuck's sake, it really is. Back. Oh, fuck me, it really is. All right, forget it, forget it. Theory's over. I'm wrong. Yeah, forget um, everything. Forget everything you know. Forget I mean, everything Gallagher, I've just said. Mate. Gallagher. Gallagher's coming mm. in with a ponytail. I'd say that, I'd say that they were all, they all, they all created the ponytail post-transfer. You know, they didn't arrive at the ponytail. They became the ponytail. But I am wrong. That's being semantic. Um, last question before the break. Man City away in two weeks for Liverpool. We have a pretty shambolic record there, generally. Um, how are you feeling about this game, Ash? And do you see any joy at all for Liverpool? I see a Darwin Nunes hat-trick. No, Perfect. Uh, joke aside. <laughs> joke aside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that we I think that we definitely have quite a chance. I think that, as I said, if any team has that chance, it's us against them. Because... Form goes out the window in those games. I think it's probably the biggest game of the season for City. Um, I don't know. I reckon it'd be a tight one. I reckon it'll, it will either be like a 1 0 mm. shit fest or it's going to be like a 2 2. So I, I, I think they will win or we will draw. Yeah, conspiracy theorists are already suggesting because it's been moved from five thirty to twelve thirty, which you know Jurgen Klopp absolutely hates when that happens. It does happen to Liverpool constantly. Um, bad signs already, bad omens. Probably a dirty VAR decision as well, and a penalty after Joel Matip rugby tackles someone. That's what I reckon. We'll get some hope, like in the international break, Haaland will be injured, so mm. will Phil Foden, and then all of a sudden they'll come back for the game and have absolute worldies, right? I know exactly what's going to happen. Based on what you said today, Ashley, Phil Foden hat trick. All right. Endo's going to dive into him with two feet and not receive a card. I'd love to see that. I really like the guy. I don't think that was a red card either I mean, in this game. But it wasn't a red card. It was just, it was very red. Paul Scholes esque. It was just really slow and non-dangerous. It was a shit challenge, but it's just so slow. Like he just lied on the floor, basically. I just love the fact that he just stood up and was like, "No, what's he doing? He's fine." <laughs> and who is this great like? No, no, no. He's, I think he's just a nice Japanese it's fine. guy. Like it's fine. he's a lovely guy. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's got integrity, it's him. <laughs> All right, let's take a break now, um, and then when we're back, we'll do some more games.
Welcome, welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. We had fun during the break, but less that the better. Um, anyway, um, Wolves 2, Tottenham 1. Um, mate, mate, what a wounder. Uh, Ange Postacoglu, two defeats, injury crisis, red cards, a backline of Eric Dyer and Ben Davies. It's all just very grim all of a sudden. And I'd say that's the end of their title charge. Lasted a whole 12 games. but. I guess the more pressing question is what happens next for Tottenham because they've got so many injuries and they have a really small squad. And although they only have one game a week, you do wonder if they're going to start sliding down into that murky Manchester United area. Because amazingly, Manchester United are only five points behind. So that could be two in a week's, in two it's weeks' time. Great. It's just, just unbelievable. Great. They didn't really didn't enjoy playing Chelsea, did they? Lost two players to injury and two players to red card. I mean, Mental. got to feel for him a little bit. But, I mean, Van de Ven has been their shining light this season. And, you know, Romero is a stupid guy, putting very polite words. But mm. um, <laughs> but if you look at taking those two out, do you know who they were playing in defence against Wolves? I think it was Eric Dyer and Davies as their centre defensive partnership. I continue to think that if you play Eric Dyer... You deserve to lose. There is no justification for him ever playing football out in in the top flight. He's so shit. Yeah, he's he's definitely not great. Is polite way of putting it. But you know, Tottenham fans got something to be happy for. Ange did say mate six times in the post post match. Uh, <laughs> you know, the mate G was so, very strong in this game. It was above yeah, yeah. above the normal. I just, yeah. It was always going to wear thin, great. right? <laughs> it, it, <laughs> this whole. Uh, yeah, it was just great seeing thing. him it's stressed. Always, it, it, yeah, it's always going to go downhill, isn't it? As soon as he gets stressed, this, the mates become a little bit more aggressive. Suddenly, mm. instead of the nice Australian guy you meet down the pub, he turns out to be the nasty Australian guy you meet down the pub. And there's a big difference there. There's a big difference. Yeah. You definitely don't want to meet one coming out of the urinals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that... I don't know why everyone's got so absorbed with him being Australian. Like, great, well done. But we just never seen it. Faith on him. Like they, they started well this season, but mm. it was always going to happen. It's Tottenham. They do Spursy yeah. things. There's literally a saying universal across all football fans in that they're a bit Spursy. You know, mm. like they thought they won the league what three weeks ago. And yeah. now look at them. They're going to I mean, get relegated. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking great. And I'd argue there's nothing more Spursy than conceding not once, but twice after 90 minutes. It's quite impressive how they lost this game. But if we talk about moments, that goal by Sarabia, he's not done very much since he joined for PSV. He's yeah, definitely a Jorge Mendes special where he's like, you want, you want this guy? Plays for PSG, very, very good. 30 years old, 4 mil, done. Never see from him again. But I feel like he's paid it all back with one goal because it was so disgustingly good. Like, to juggle it, running full pelt, and then just smash it in with the other foot. Oh, it's mental. But it was funny, what, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really he was. Didn't, didn't even, he just let straight loose, touched it. That was quality touch to the first touch. I mean, the second touch was beautiful as well, but that first touch on the body just to control yeah. it and put it into yeah, his yeah. part. Awesome. He just killed it dead in midair. Well, I think we saw fifty shades fifty shades of wolves in that game, right? I think last time I was on we spoke Sounds about like an awful, awful they just, premise for it, a book. Fifty shades of wolves. <laughs> but like Matthias Cunha. They're a good, they're a good team, right? <laughs> they're a good team, they just can't score. So it's yeah. inevitable that the one game that they, you know, they they score you know, a worldie. Then they also go on to win the game, right? I think that mm-hmm. that's the problem with Wolves is if they've got someone who can score a goal, they're actually a mm-hmm. really threatening team. And I think that you know throughout the game they were causing Tottenham problems. It's just they didn't have anyone to put it away. I mean, I think Huang missed a chance, which is pretty much a sitter in yeah. like the eighteenth minute or something. That you was know, so bad. He just, just missed the goal. Of quality he completely from missed the goal. He what literally I would say missed about the goal. Wolves, they're like. Neto and Huang were carrying them for the first 10 games. Now Huang's just done that. I feel like that's the end of Huang's hot streak, which is fine. You know, it's fair. He's already bettered last season's goal contributions. Yeah, he's done his I don't, know, I don't know what happens with Pedro mm-hmm. Neto. Like, I don't know how long he's injured for. Is he injured? Is he fine? I can't remember. 
But yeah, maybe but Neto's it's always now injured. Yeah, yeah, Neto's always injured or maybe injured. He's a, he is an absolutely quality player, but yeah. he's you know he's he's almost as reliable as Thiago. Says it. I yeah. feel like this season under Gary O'Neill, you're actually seeing Wolves where you might have seen them previously. That they're, they're making these runs and they were dribbling, but dribbling into areas where you could affect the game very little. They seem to have transformed into a team where their dribbles are making sense now. The balls that they're playing are making sense. They're they're attacking more dangerous parts of the pitch, you know. So I, I don't agree. know if you, I don't know if you need, you know, if you, if you think about the goal scoring, anyone, if you put in front of the goal, anyone could score a goal. My nan could score a goal if you put her in front, you know, here on the six pen. But but you, you, you know top you need a top class goal scorer if you want to be scoring goals that have maybe a ten to twenty percent average goal scoring rate. But if you're if you're getting you know into the box, good balls in, right positions, you're probably going to score more likely. And that, that seems well, to be this what is we're the thing. They they do, but overall they massively up, underperform their xG because they actually do lack that yeah. focal point. Just imagine everything about Wolves, that you put like Ollie Watkins in there, or Ivan Tony, or literally anyone who's half-decent scoring goals, they're immediately top 10 team. Like, immediately. Yeah. Because mm. everything else is really good. Yeah. They don't concede a lot of goals. They work really hard. Like, they have really, really nasty wingers, but they're just, they're just shit at scoring goals. Like, even in this, that's they a wonder goal, and then literally the goals. last kick of the game. Like, that's not that's not a process to build a game plan on, you know? Be like, Sarabia, can you just do that again next game? Yeah, perfect, yeah. We'll just send that ball to you again, and you just do what you did. Yeah, cool. Like, it's, it's not it's not. And I guarantee it won't happen again. Ever. That is the last so, time so, you'll yes. ever see Sarabia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I and think they're doing bits, so, Wolves. Does he get into the frame? Fabio Silva Maybe. is shit. He's so shit at yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. He, he just, he's, he's like, you know, like what we did with Rian Brewster to Sheffield United. That's what Jorge Mendes has done to Wolves. He's like, he's young. He scored a lot of goals in the under-19s. Would you like him? He's only 35 mil. It's a bargain. He'll be double that next year. And he scored like, what, one goal for Wolves maybe? He's just rubbish. Mm. He's not that guy. Um, but yeah. I think Gary Neal's doing bits, to be honest. I think he's actually a really, really good young coach. Like, I think the he two jobs he's had, it. he's elevated those teams massively. Like, mm-hmm. Wolves were a mess last season. And even in the summer, like, the coach left. They were spending no money. They got rid of Ruben Neves, um, their best player. They looked pretty doomed. I thought they were going to get relegated. And he's just brought the good vibes immediately. Like, they just, they look yeah. like Wolves that I remember. Like, not a nice team to play against. You're not surprised yeah, you if don't they want to go like up against cause them. upsets. No, exactly. Yeah, like, it's not like other games. But I think that I think that Gary O'Neill proved last year with, with Bournemouth that he was a good manager. I, I was surprised that they got rid of him. Um, it, it was Bournemouth, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was, it was yeah. Bournemouth. Yeah. yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah. So I, I was surprised that they got rid of him, considering the job that he'd done to keep them up in the end. You know, after they were shit. And I, think I that, agree. He, he he didn't deserve that. So actually, you know what? Credit to him. He's come into Wolves, into a team that can't score goals, but it's kept keeping them afloat. And what, they're 12th in the league at the moment? And yeah. you had, as you said, you had a goal scorer into that team, which I think they'll get eventually. They're a top 10 team, right? And we've seen how quickly things can turn around. Look at the likes of Villa, who were absolutely exactly. shambolic, and now they're mm-hmm. fighting for European places. And Wolves are one of those fringe teams that, the right pieces come into play, they could be that too. Yeah. Well, good, good win for Wolves and uh, Tottenham. Tottenham, all everything's falling down. So let's see how it goes next week. Yeah. But, um, yeah speaking of Bournemouth, he knows how to segue this segue, guy. Exactly. I, this is, <laughs> I'm learning from the best over here. Speaking of Bournemouth, going into a two 0 win over. Newcastle, we love to see mm. it. Do you know what I call this? Hollywood money versus Saudi money, and the Hollywood script got written. The underdog story, you know, that's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. just, I think that Newcastle have shown that they are a good team, but they are what Man City were under Mark Hughes, and they need someone to come in and 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 um, you know rejig the team and. 
that that manager to take them to the next level. I, mean, I like Eddie Howe, but can he do? Can he do what you know? the other top elite managers can do in the in the Champions League. I don't think so. Look at what Unai Emery's I think if Unai Emery went to Newcastle, for example, he would propel them mm. to the next level. Like he Eddie Howe is not that level of manager. I was disagreeing with everything you said until opinion. you said Emery. Yeah, I was like Eddie Howe's doing a great job. They've got so many injuries. Like I think they've got like fourteen injuries or something ridiculous. But then you said Unai Emery and he's also juggling two games a week and smashing it. So then I was like, oh, he does have a point. Emery does make it look so easy, doesn't Emery, he? Unai Emery's got the track record of winning in Europe, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, he's just a different calibre of manager. I think that Eddie Howe could potentially get there, you know, but yeah. I think that most managers, having the backing that they've had, I mean, people say they haven't spent a lot relative to what they're worth. They have spent a lot. The, the team has shifted. It's changed a lot under Eddie Howe. If they want to attract the bigger players, they want to do bigger things in Europe, they need a bigger name manager. I don't disagree, with, I don't disagree that they will need to move on at some point to be able to win the things that they expect to win. But... When we're talking about comparing Eddie Howe and Unai Emery at the moment, you know, Unai Emery at Villa, they're beating Genk, whereas Newcastle are beating PSG. There's a slightly different yeah. golfing class there. Got different games that you have to prepare for. I'm sure that Eddie Howe is putting a lot of his, his efforts into making sure that they try and beat Dortmund, who are very tactical in the way that they play versus trying to beat Bournemouth on the weekend first time in the Champions League, they want to showcase what they can do, right? And it, it's a part of both building their national but also international fan base as well if they're starting to get better and better yeah. in the Champions League. I think, so, that, I think that you, I think that fair, it's a fair point, but does Eddie Howe have what it takes to sustain the success of last year and in continuing that whilst having the Champions League in place? I don't think so. I think that it's one or the other for them. It's the Champions League or it's the top four. And that's when you become one of those floaty teams. Whereas Newcastle have so much money that they can't afford to be a floaty team. And it's the same thing happened with City when they had Mark Hughes and then they went, uh, who was it? Roberto Mancini afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like Roberto Mancini propelled the club forward. Even though Mark Hughes was doing a good job, right? But it was him who took, took the team forward. And I think that that's what Newcastle oh, If they want to fulfill harsh. the ambitions... You are right, but it's very I harsh. I don't think it is harsh. I think it is really harsh. But it's you the are truth. right. I think he's doing such a good job, but it's you are right. It's the ruthless business. It's a winning business. And Eddie Howe has no track record. Everything he's done, he's done great. Yeah. He's got the most out of everyone. He's made Joe Ellington probably the best midfielder in the entire world. Um, he's done so many things well, but them's the breaks, you know? It's like when flipping Southampton brought Pochettino in and got rid of Nigel Atkins. Everyone was like, that's so yeah. harsh. He's done so well. And they were like, shut up. There's a better manager. He's gone. And it's like, if there's a better player, you just buy him. Be like, oh, yeah, nice. Cheers for those 20 goals last I season. Think, but oh, in Newcastle's world, buying a better player, they could slap 200 million down on someone and it's pocket change if they wanted to. Yeah. Right? But, but is a 200 million pound, isn't Erling Haaland going to go to Newcastle? <laughs> not, no, not I yet. I don't think so. <laughs> Give it time. Exactly, not yet. Newcastle are a massive team. Like I think people forget that they are they are a huge team, right? I'd say Villa are actually a bigger team than Newcastle in the grand scheme of things because they've actually won the European Cup. But you know, Newcastle are a big team, and and, and you know, Joe's right in that they are building their international brand at the moment. But the point still stands, and Erling Haaland isn't going to go to Newcastle, but they have Erling Haaland money. And so mm. it's, you know, how many of these results, how many bad results, what happens if they get knocked out of the Champions League and then they're too far off of top four and mm. they don't get Champions League again next year, then all the work that they've done goes out the window. God, you it's know what's quite funny with this as well? You know, Newcastle, we're, they're playing an interesting strategy. I, I do agree with you. They have got Erling Haaland money. And a team like Newcastle is uh, any team, to be honest, in the financial fair play ruling is allowed to have three seasons where they have a uh, a loss, I believe. I think that's the way it is. They're allowed three seasons where you get loss-making. Unless it's Man City, because then you can just get sponsorships. <laughs> and, 
Right. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I am comparing Saudi against Saudi or Qatari against Saudi, so it is fair. Nah, but bro, there's levels I wonder why, this, what like... the, the strategy. I want. <laughs> there's some strategy to this. Obviously, they're trying to. I don't know how their financials were when they were under the previous owner, Mike Ashley. I don't know if they made a loss and they're. I don't think they make, ever made a loss. You know, they didn't for fucking spend now, any or, money. Or what they're doing. That was the whole thing. They literally didn't buy anyone for like five years and then all of a sudden they bought Almiron for like 30 mil and everyone lost their minds. Weird, weird period. Okay. So I have a question for you. I have a question for you, if you don't mind, because I think this is a very interesting thing and I want to get a Chelsea opinion on it. The Premier League clubs are voting on forbidding ownership groups from loaning or buying players from clubs within that ownership group. Specifically, they're looking at Newcastle and Saudi Arabia because they they yeah, want to basically. Neves, right? Ruben Neves is basically. And bear in mind, that's not even like oh, definitely oh. happening. They've just they just want to block Newcastle being able to raid the Saudi league and use that advantage because they they're owned they're owned by Saudi Arabia. But it got me thinking: Would this even go through? Because Man City are part of an eleven club conglomerate now. Chelsea have got Vitesse and I think mm. maybe a French club as well, Strasbourg maybe or something. We, got, model. we, we haven't got Vitesse. We haven't Is got he, Vitesse. Okay. We just got, used to it have... feels like uh, you've got Vitesse. No, no, no it, Roman Abramovich had a very friendly relationship with the owner of Vitesse. That was, that was how it yeah. worked back in the okay. day. But, All right. well, but now Roman's got... Friendly. We do... Yeah. You, you are correct. Russian billionaires Strasbourg. and friendly and, relationships. I'm, it's not age well. But I, I quite like the idea of um, when you buy a player from a, a club, whether it's your club in your ownership group or another club, every time you buy a player, the Premier League will review the purchase as to whether it's fair market value. So you can't just mm. have a Newcastle buying a player from X club at a highly inflated price to up their, their market value as a club. So there has to be some sort of fair value in it. But I do agree that you shouldn't just be able to loan a player from another club that maybe has more money just because uh, it is beneficial for you at a certain point in time. I think there has to be some kind of thinking beyond so, that. So, mm-hmm. I think that the, the problem is not, not the way around that you said it, is that you can buy it at an inflated price against farm, fair uh, market value. It's that Newcastle could probably go to Al Hilal, oh, I'm going to give you £20 million when they bought him for 60, 70, because mm-hmm. really the money's staying within the organization. So they're not making the loss. So that's Newcastle, what I mean, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's not, yeah. that's against Premier League rules to be able to do that already. Now we're talking mm-hmm. about loaning though. And I think yeah. it's, so yeah, you, now we're talking about loaning. I think the other interesting part about this is that Manchester United, Jim Ratcliffe's about to potentially take 25%. He owns Nice as well, and they fancy a couple of, like one of the centre backs from Nice. So it all just gets very like muddled. Like all the self interest comes into the vote. Um, yeah, and I, I personally think everyone's just trying to do a big fuck you because everyone's so scared about Newcastle. But I just don't think it's going to go through because everyone's so self interested. Because hear me out. Aren't Crystal Palace and like Bournemouth linked or like Chelsea and Crystal? I feel like someone's linked to Crystal Palace because they're all part of like some sort of American like consortium. I feel like there's like, it's all just, it's all based, everyone's just owned by the same people. It's, 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 it's like it's under the hood. It's Steve Parrish that owns uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, I don't know if there's yeah, any, sorry. any link there no, to it, another it Premier Bour- League team. It, it was Bournemouth and someone else. I can't remember. Because everyone's got minority stakeholders as well, uh, which is where it gets even more confusing. But, uh, but I think like the only like multi club ownership is a really tough kind of topic right now because you're looking. We've already gone down the rabbit hole, and we're smiling at the Cheshire Cat. You know, we're, we're in a position where the football game is. You've got Salzburg, who's playing in the same league or in the Champions League as RB Leipzig in some years. Now that was mm-hmm. always against the rules. You can't have two two pl- clubs playing mm-hmm. in the same competition. But now, for some reason, it's it's allowed because they're two top clubs from these leagues. Mm. At which point do we start saying if a multi-club ownership model exists that you have too much weighting in the favour of someone like the City Group, who, as you can see, Girona, who's owned by the City yeah. Group, is number one in the league right now. 
<laughs> what, what happens yeah. there? You know, and uh, it, there's it's got to be a lot stricter governance around this this kind of multi club ownership in it, in the. It just shows that zone. financial fair mm-hmm. play is a whole load of bollocks, right? It doesn't yeah. because if you want to find a way to finesse it, you can, and you can do it quite easily through multi club structures. You know, as you mentioned. The most obvious and egregious one in, in recent history is really Salzburg players to that go to Leipzig. You've got, you know, the likes yeah. of the next Steven Gerrard, Dominic Sabozloy, Benjamin Sesko's mm-hmm. gone there, Ocarno, but they've all got come up and then they've all gone on to, to, you know, be sold by Leipzig for how much money when they've bought them for like £2.50 from, from um, Salzburg, right? So mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's a really difficult topic because there's no rules against owning multiple clubs as a conglomerate. There is as an individual. So if I owned Liverpool, I couldn't then go and individually buy Everton. Not that I'd want to do that. But you know what I mean? But if we we all owned it and we had other diversified businesses, then we could buy Everton. Do you see what I mean? So like, I don't know. Mm. it's, It's a really, it's a really difficult, I don't know how you manage it. I That's don't think what I mean by us going this far down the rabbit hole because you know yeah. you have you have RB Leipzig who have their own fans who have their own community who have their own kind of culture. So you have RB Salzburg who have their own fans, their own community, their own culture as any football club has. And you know now let's say if you try to implement governance now which stop them from playing in the same competition the Salzburg flat fans are going to be the ones that suffer, right? Someone, mm-hmm. a, a fan group is going to suffer by losing their perch of success that they're in at the moment. And that's going to impact the whole football pyramid. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, the horse has bolted. You can't row back on these things. It's like it's too deeply ingrained. Like, they could have stopped Man City at, like, two. Now it's, like, 11. Like, how do you, how do you stop that? It's out of control. They could say no more. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't take it back. Now it's open. The issue is, I think, that buying football clubs was supposed to be for really rich individuals like local businessmen. Then it became like rich people anywhere in the world. Now it's become like conglomerates, like groups of wealthy individuals who want to buy into a fund. So it's like the the group of people that can actually afford to buy a football club, which is kind of not a good deal generally, is very small. And so it's just like, it is what it is. The only mm-hmm. way I reckon it gets It's sold, a glamour project for them. Yeah. <laughs> is if companies start buying them in the same way that, like, I don't know, like Elon Musk, like, makes Manchester United, like, the ex-United or something. Because then they do acquisitions of companies all the time for, like, way more money than football clubs ever go for. But mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. the point? Like, what's the point of it? It's just, it's well, out of kind of what did, did, That's kind did, of what's happened, Nate. Like, if you look at uh, the City Group or Blue Co, who own Chelsea, their companies... Their, their mm. ownership structure is made from these people who own funds, including Tog Bowley, Egg Bally, whoever they have at Clear Lake Capital in that fund. That's another company. You know, the company is Blue Coat. The company is Citigroup. I'm sure that Newcastle have their own company. And I, to what you're saying, I think that is the right way to go, to have independent governance on the company that doesn't have a direct relationship to the owners who might have multi-club structures underneath mm. them. You know, Jim Radcliffe might have Nice and Man United, but then you just have to remove Jim Radcliffe from any decision making or have an independent authority that can assess every decision that Man United make to see if there is some kind of underlying benefit to one or many of the multi-club mem- <laughs> members. And, uh, you know, that's it's just never going to happen, that could be one way, way too complicated. <laughs> Basically, Money flows in the right direction. We've, we've fucked it. We've absolutely fucked it. And we should all support more of our local teams realistically if we want actual honest football that's not just a big fucking corporate machine. Um, and seeing as we're getting towards the end of the pod, I feel like that's a good opportunity to speak about a local team that's doing very well at the moment. And that's FC Copenhagen. Um, so Joe's based in Copenhagen and they're doing bits in the Champions League. So for all the Danish listeners... Turn up your headphones. It's about to get litty. Fantastic, wasn't it? Fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw the game the other day, but the, the I feel like I'm that guy, you know, that kid from that meme. Oh, the atmosphere was electric. It was wild. No, it was... 
the 50-year-old man a, inside the 10-year-old's body. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But no, it was a fantastic game. Uh, FC Copenhagen were absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I understand that they benefited from a red card, which obviously sent the, the Man United down to, to 10 men. But you saw that from the point that Man United got sent down to 10 men, they basically shriveled up like a prune and did just a low block against FC Copenhagen for the whole rest of the game, allowing Copenhagen in to score four goals home. And before the match, well, it was hilarious. A lot of my friends went there and they said the atmosphere was just incredible. They had this big banner, like when the Champions League anthem came on, they shut down all the lights and they had one part of the stadium lit up, which was this banner across the seats of the fans showing like caricatures of the red devil being like beaten by the Copenhagen. No fucking uh, way. That is so sick. And uh, above it, it just said, uh, this is uh, your theatre of nightmares rather than theatre of dreams. So (laughs) referring back to all the times that FC Co beat beat them from before. It was uh, was unreal. And it played out that way as well, which is great. My question to you is why are FC Copenhagen so prevalent now like is there something different have they suddenly come into a lot of money is it just that danish players or scandinavian players all go to fc copenhagen now because i feel like that's a good question that's that's a real hotbed of talent now like a lot of good players are coming out of the nordics all at once and that's where all the scouts got the uh, the next big thing they've got the next you know the next uh big wonder kid well at least according to football manager and rooney bartry uh, who also (laughs) scored in the game, but genuinely he looked class and like, mm. you know, in the, in the gaming uh, circles, you know, people who play football manager, a lot of people have been speaking about this kid. And so seeing it in person, you know, it's not like back in the day when Freddie Adu was the guy on, um, that was the guy <laughs> on the championship manager, but then was shit in real life, you know, and he got yeah, you yeah. Know, to see him score against United. It, it was great to see, you know, the 17 year old coming, coming on in the Champions League and scoring a banger against United. That is, you yeah. know, thing of dreams. And yeah. it's called Rooney. Amazing. It was, yeah. uh, it was... He's such a regen, isn't he? He's not a real player. Like, he's <laughs> a regen. There's no way that anyone's just called Rooney, who happens to be a striker, who's also a wonder kid. I'm not happy. And now there's, there's sources saying that Sir Jim Ratcliffe is eyeing up Rooney Badri as Man United's first signing when he takes over. <laughs> so there we can't go. make it up. <laughs> you can't make it up, can you? <sighs> Yeah. Some things never but, change. Man United overpaying. Exactly. But Copenhagen has a few players that have come out of it recently who um, look quite good. Can't name them by names, but I know they've gone to a few prevalent teams in the in the European competitions. So look forward to seeing them. I think there's one at Leverkusen actually who's playing who's doing quite doing quite well. So yeah, it's um it's gonna be an interesting time. And uh just, just love to see it. I'd love to see Copenhagen go through to the next round because get out of the group stage is, is group just stage a ridiculous before. achievement. I have no idea. Don't know, but it would be brilliant. Wouldn't it seems it? unlikely, right? That would be mental. Yeah, I think they've got Galatasaray like and uh, who's the other team in the the, the, the so table? It's Man United, Galatasaray, and I think it's is it Bayern. Or is that a different group? Yeah, it's Bayern. It's Bayern. Bayern. Some, and yeah. what's amazing to see is United are at the bottom of that group. It's yeah. great. It's the best part is Man United have to go to Galatasaray in Turkey. And no matter who you are, if that's the game you need to win, it's going to be hard. If you're Man United, you're going to make that so bad. Like, yeah. oh, it's going to be a heavy 2-0 loss. Like, the pressure's going to get to them. Harry Maguire's going to score an own goal. Although, credit to him, he's actually been their best player the last five games. That also says a lot. Um. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, uh, for giving us a, a segue there, both to um, you know have a little little bit of fun with Man United, but also to promote FC Copenhagen. It's a, Mate, we're here I appreciate for FC Copenhagen voice. doing bits. We're here for the local teams done goods, and as long as they're not secretly a Saudi club, I fully back them and endorse them. So here's my last question to you. Here's my last question to you. Why are there so many red cards in the Premier League this season? Because I'll give you a stat. There's been 27 red cards so far this season already. Last season, whole season, 30 red cards in the Premier League. 30. So we are three red cards away from our total from last season. And 
as far as I can tell, the record is 81 red cards in a season, which seems astronomically high to me. But the data is very bad online. So, yeah, my question is, we're about, what, a third of the way through the season? We're exactly a third of the way to 81? So what the fuck's going on, and why so many red cards? Same well, words. Liverpool got half of them, by the, <laughs> by the feel of it. Um, yeah, we do have seems four. Like whenever We've got our, one of our far. players well, breathes. When whenever one of our players breathes near anyone, they, they get sent off. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. It's like the officials are trying to take control of the game more, but they're just showcasing that they can't control it. And making mm-hmm. stupid decisions, like just mm-hmm. someone who t- like the Curtis Jones one, and the, that was a red card. It was never a red card. It's not a red card because the referee didn't call it a red card. So like it wasn't a clear and obvious mistake. But it yes. seems like that clear and obvious mistake piece has been taken out. And it's just gone. This is the opinion of a bloke in the VAR versus the referee's opinion. The bloke in VAR has more power than the referee. Like that's how it seems, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just I guess the whole thing is like it's player protection and all that crap. But like you've got to let you've got to let there be something. It's a, it's a contact sport. You've got to let there be something. No one wants to see a leg break. No one wants to see serious foul play. But some of these challenges that are getting called red cards are just a joke. And then you've got obviously secondary yellows. I think referees aren't being as lenient as they once were on that secondary mm-hmm. yellow. So, you know, like before it's like, oh, that whole argument, oh, if that was outside the box, that would be a foul. But it was inside the box, so it's not. I feel like now it's that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's a, if it's a foul, it's a yellow card. Yeah, I agree. Joel Matip got a yellow card the other day for no reason. Yeah. And he very and there easily was, could have got a second yellow. There was that period in the first five games where they were like, if you look at me, I will yellow card you. Look if it. you even talk yeah. to me, if you swear at me, you're mm-hmm. off gone. And there was that guy who literally did a tackle, got up and went, what? And they were like, right, that's it. That's outrageous. Get, <laughs> Get off out. the pitch now. Get out. And it's just yeah. like, they just lost their I heads, like but they've they overcorrected just, again. They want the respect that rugby refs get, but yeah. they don't come on the game enough. They don't know the game well enough to get that respect. It's like, you know, you can't, you can't tell me what to do if you don't have a fucking clue how to do it yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, how am I going to respect yeah. that opinion? And it feels like that's the point it's got to. Don't get me wrong. Players do take the piss, and they take the piss a lot. But I just feel like the refs are just, they're not of a, of a high enough standard. You know, yeah. and that's what but it's But it's a conundrum. It's just a conundrum. Because if everyone criticises the refs, why do you want to be a referee? So you just, you just get, wanted like, to say conundrum, didn't you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's you just guys, like the only ones that come through are tough for, uh, ones. You guys are pressing uh, yeah. for a fine from the Premier League at some point soon, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, potentially, yeah. Chat like this. So, right, final everyone's question getting pods. A, Everyone's going to fine. <laughs> so, Eagle Eyed viewers will notice that this is the second pod in a row that Joseph Doherty is just eating on the pod. So, the real question is, what's for dinner, mate? Okay, today, um, my partner... Julia, she has cooked us up a lovely tortellini soup. So uh, it's about 10 p.m. local time over here, and uh, quite late, you'd say, for dinner. So I, mm. I didn't want to hold off any longer. I've been enjoying a little bit of soup in the last five minutes. So there you go, listen, everyone's up for the next one. Yeah, if you like long chats about football, red cards, and what Joe had for dinner, then come back next time because he'll be eating again and it'll be enjoyable. Uh, so yeah I think that's a wrap thank you very much Ash thank you very much Joe thank you very much listener Um, see you next week for some more fun stuff